I'm your host, writer Todd Smith, and today we're joined by John Stefanski. He's the president of the Municipal Management Association of Northern California, and he's also the assistant to the city manager for the great city of Dublin. John, welcome to the report. Great to be here, Ryder. Great to see you. Um, it's been a while, but good to catch up. Thanks. Been a while too. Well, I think the last time we had was we were hanging on Monterey together at the annual conference, right? That's right. Yeah, it's been you know almost six months, seven months now, but hope to see you soon. Well, uh, I hope so too. Dublin's a nice town. Great place to visit. You guys have a heck of a water park there in your Parks and Rec uh, facilities. Absolutely. I think Dublin has, I, I think our, you know, crowning achievement is the parks that we've been able to develop over the life of our city. I mean, we have parks that I just never knew places like this existed growing up outside of California. So our Wave Water Park is fantastic. Fallon Sports Park. Uh, we just opened up a new uh, a community park, Don Biddle, which is like 30 acres of just massive uh, green space. Uh, it's it's a really beautiful community we have here. Yeah, it's Dublin's a very nice place to live. Your your residents are lucky lucky to live there. I'm sure they all work very hard to afford to live there, but yeah. uh, <laughs> it's a great place and it's you know really evolved over the last 20 years, especially and developed. So totally. Uh, but. Uh, as much as Dublin is awesome, I'm here to talk a little bit about you and your uh, organization you serve as the president of, Municipal mm-hmm. Management Association of Northern California. But let's talk about our favorite subject here today, which is you. Uh, how'd you get into local government, John? Uh, great, uh, great entry into that because it is one of my favorite things to talk about. <laughs> um, I'm one of those, uh, I got into local government, I'm one of those people who uh, I knew exactly what I wanted to do. Uh, at a very early age, uh, I have always been interested in government, uh, public works projects, police, fire, how all of that works and comes to be. And so when I was in high school, I got to participate in uh, a civic day and got connected with my local city manager. And really, he just opened my eyes to this as a career. And I was hooked. Uh, and so after that, after high school, I went to Miami University, just north of Cincinnati, uh, and got my bachelor's degree in public administration, uh, interned with the city of Cincinnati, and then another city just north of Cincinnati. Uh, and then after that, got my uh, went to Syracuse and got my master's in public administration, again, focusing on uh, state and local financial management. So I was able to curate my education to you know a potential career into local government uh and after maxwell uh i got uh the icma local government management fellowship and that connected me with kelly mcadoo who was the Mm -hmm. assistant city manager in hayward at the time uh, and offered me the job to come out to the bay area and i worked in hayward uh for uh just over five years uh in the city manager's office working on a wide variety of uh, different projects, large uh, scale land development projects, uh, working on rolling out our new, at the time, the commercial cannabis permitting program, um, a lot of really interesting things. Oh, and of course, redevelopment disillusion. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it was a really great experience. I got a lot of um, exposure to local government in California uh, and also got to work for arguably one of the best in the business, Kelly McAdoo. Um, and after that, uh, in 2019, I took the I got the assistant to uh, the city manager job here in Dublin, 
to come work for uh, Linda Smith. Uh, and here uh, I oversee our animal control, community television, uh, disaster preparedness uh, programs, as well as a whole host of other duties as assigned um, when the city council has ideas and things they want to do. Uh, so that's my career in a nutshell. Um, I think over that time, I got connected into MMA and C. Uh, as soon as I moved out here, um, I went to a region event and uh, met Chantel Gaines and Alex Rogalas and, and people who uh, were able to pull me into the fold of the organization. Uh, and so I spent a couple years on the region uh, for uh, board, uh, helping to plan some events, and then went up to the exec board and was our membership director throughout the COVID years, which was so much fun. Oh, yeah. And oh, yeah. Uh, then after that, uh, went up to being our vice president last year and president this year. That's a mouthful. That's a, quite a great trajectory. I love how ICMA played a part in your career trajectory and introduced you to people. And obviously, that's what pulled you out all the way west from Ohio to come out yeah. here. Um, which is just kind of a wonderful testament about the power of local government because you know every state has cities there's cities all over the place and you know for yeah. me personally i love kind of visiting cities and checking them out no matter where i grow in america go in america there's always something to check out and see um and now of course you're getting to get your hands dirty with all sorts of diverse different projects as assistant to the city managers often do yes uh, i appreciate the kind of jack of all trades master of some reality that is the assistant city manager. I assume this is all on some trajectory where someday in your career you desire to be a city manager. Yeah, that's, I mean, for me, that's the ultimate goal. Um, but I will also say as a uh, PEPRA member of CalPERS, I have some time to go. So I'm doing my best to get as many great experiences uh, and get a foundation that can hopefully help make me a successful city manager down the line. Yeah, well, the work you're doing now in Dublin sounds like it's, um, it's preparing you for that reality, certainly. Tell, yeah. tell me about, you know, we were waxing poetic about the glories of Dublin's parks, but of course, Dublin has a lot more than uh, parks. I've actually, I've toured your city hall. We had a chance mm -hmm. to work together on a project and it brought me to town and I was able to add Dublin to my list of visited city halls. Your beautiful council chamber, you have this lovely kind of, uh, uh, I think it's still there, is your like a theater facility that's attached and then this great little um open space area in the middle of your city hall and some beautiful yeah. art on the campus. But so I know the city hall lens, but what else is going on in Dublin in general that's exciting and, and helps it stand out as a community? Yeah, uh, you know, Dublin, I think over the last 10 to 15 years has been one of the fastest growing cities in the state. Uh, our census population in 2010 was around 40, 42,000 people. And uh, in 2020, we were just shy of 73,000 wow. people. And so uh, we're a newer city. We just celebrated our 40th anniversary, but a lot of what we've been working on as a city is really uh, development focused. Uh, and so there's been a tremendous amount of residential development uh, in the city. And then we also are working uh, on developing uh, a downtown for Dublin. Um, you know, where we're located, we're, you know, in the Tri-Valley region of the East Bay near Pleasanton, Livermore, these uh, older cities that uh, were developed around train stations. And in Dublin, we never uh, had a train stop or a train um, station rather. And so we never developed, uh, you know, like 
older cities do. So we don't have a downtown that centers around that 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 core function. Uh, and so our team here is working on um, uh, a downtown Dublin specific plan, uh, and that plan uh, is seeking to uh, redevelop some large box retail uh, shopping centers and turning them into, um, you know, walkable uh, uh, city block style developments with a mix of uh, multifamily housing, retail, uh, as well as some um, uh, employment uh, centers as well. Uh, and so that's a large project that we're working on. It's going to take a number of years. Uh, on the other side of that, we're uh, just about to uh, hit build out as a city, and we have just uh, a portion of uh, eastern Dublin uh, that the city is now embarking to uh, complete. Uh, and so we're looking to extend uh, Dublin Boulevard, which is the main thoroughfare of our city, all the way east uh, to connect to uh, Livermore. And then with that uh, will come uh, some more industrial development uh, as well as some retail development as well. Um, but that's a huge, uh, you know, $160 million roadway extension project. Wow. Um, and it literally is when you look at the way Dublin is on a map, it's just like the last little piece on the southeastern part of our uh, uh, city boundaries. So uh, we're a very uh, development focused city right now. Um, and it's an exciting place to work because I love that kind of stuff. Um, plan I, I've always said that if I didn't go into city management or wanting to, to do that initially, I probably would have gone to become a planner. Uh, and I really enjoy, you know, that that line of work, at least in local government. Yeah. Big plans for Dublin. That's um, uh, I mean, like having seen some of the bigger projects and some of the big housing developments that have gone there and the high density stuff. It'll be interesting to see how your downtown evolves and certainly watching cities try to uh, when they didn't have an organic downtown to create one or foment that is um you know, a big challenge of economic development and just general good planning strategy to, to yeah. reimpose that. And it'll be interesting watching the big box stuff change around to see how that goes for you as well. Yeah. Um, all right. So then, you know, the big question is how many pickleball courts are you building? Because that's what everybody oh. wants to talk about is pickleball. <laughs> you know, if I knew I, if I, if I knew you were going to ask that question, I'd probably be able to pull the number for you. But in addition to pickleball, what's really big in Dublin is cricket. And so oh, we have... Yes. Um, a, a massive, I think we're like one of the only cities in the Bay Area that has like a full size cricket pitch, uh, along with, I think like a dozen cricket batting cages. Um, you know, we've, uh, I touched on it earlier with our parks and we have a, a, just a number of soccer fields, baseball fields. It's really something to see. That's, uh, that's right. That's right. You have, a. um, a very large Southeast Asian population uh, in the city as well, which is, you know, driving that that demand. So I could see where yeah. maybe uh, cricket is bigger than pickleball in, in Dublin. That seems like a fair trade until yeah. all the cricket players get older. Then they may all switch to then pickleball they, players. Too. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> pickleball is universal. <laughs> Someday it'll take over the world. Um, all right. Well, Dublin's a great town. Uh, and you're uh, now president of this amazing association, Municipal Management Association of Northern California. That, of course, implies that there's a Southern California brethren. And for mm -hmm. those of you watching this podcast, you can go check out my prior interview with Dominique, uh, the president of uh, MMASC uh, for the Southern California group. Where, First of all, geographically, where does where do you guys start and where did MMASC stop in terms of moving north? 
Great question. So we go from the Oregon state line all the way down to Kern County. Uh, and so we'll go all the way to Bakersfield, um, Kings County, and then um, uh, San Luis Obispo County is where that uh, boundary is drawn between the two. So uh, San Luis Obispo's in uh, SC's uh, jurisdiction, if you will, and then we have everything north. Okay. Uh, and how many members do you have? So we are just getting over 600 uh, members this year. So we've been able to fully recover from the dip in membership that we had experienced over the course of the pandemic and are now back up to where we were uh, in 2019. And why do people join MMA and C? What's it all about? How do you add value in the local government world? Why should city managers care? We are, I think for me, what the value proposition of MMANC is, is that we're able to provide affordable and accessible, high quality and relevant professional development opportunities for local government uh, professionals. Uh, that's at our core what we do, um, whether it's through our four main signature events, our winter forum, Women's Leadership Summit, uh, Summer Symposium and Annual Conference, and then a number of region events that we'll hold uh, as well. Uh, and so that's at the core of what we do um, to support uh, our members. I think the other piece uh, that, in my opinion, I think is the most important is uh, creating a space uh, and a community for local government professionals to come together, to network, to share ideas, to build that, uh, as we kind of often refer to as this huddle of people who will be there to help support you as you make your way through your career. Uh, and so those are what we're here to do. It's it's training and, and developing uh, the local government leaders of tomorrow, but then also providing that space for connection uh, and support as they as those folks progress through their careers. Yeah, and so I guess in follow-up to that, I mean, local government is unique in that it's, uh, I mean, certainly there's elements of competition around economic development. There's elements of competition, maybe if two people are going for the same job, but fundamentally uh, cities don't usually compete with each other and staff doesn't usually compete with each other. So it's just, you know, underlying, it's a much like you can turn to your peers and they will give you helpful advice to help you advance your career and be successful. And they'll share their lessons learned is my impression, which yeah. is one reason I think there are so many darn associations in the local government world, because everybody's particularly predisposed to be collaborative. Absolutely. That's I, I, I couldn't agree with you more on that. And it's something that I really value. Um, in our field because it really helps you the problems that are facing you know my community aren't going to be all that different from some of the problems that another community may be facing down the line and so my ability to share what our experience was what our lessons learned were uh with someone who might be going through it it's a tremendous amount of help for that person uh and i think uh, a great value uh for our profession your membership uh uh, my observations are, I mean, you have some early 20-somethings in there that are pretty fresh in their local government careers, and you have mm -hmm. some more seasoned professionals that have perhaps been in the industry 20, 30 years uh, that are involved at maybe they're a supervisor or a manager-level position, maybe a director-level position. Um, you know, so it's a it's a pretty broad spectrum of staff. I, you typically yeah. are not seeing, say, city managers be members or maybe director-level resources. Not always. It's just less common. Um, so it's it's 
certainly designed to, I think, kind of carry through people's careers, like from their early days of joining all the way, you know, up until the point they advance into, say, a city manager seat or a director level position or some such mm -hmm. thing. Is that a fair description? Yeah, it is. It's, um, I think the lion's share of our membership is going to fall within that analyst mid-manager level. Um, but those folks do matriculate up, um, you know, to assistant city manager roles, city manager roles, and do still stay engaged with our organization. So it's not that they become a city manager and say, uh, you know, I, I've graduated out of MMANC. No, I mean, we have a, a great number of really supportive city managers who are coming to our events and also are, are supporting their staff to be, uh, uh, you know, active members in the organization as well. Yeah. Uh, so you guys get together pretty consistently. Uh, tell me about the kind of, I think there's four events, major events a year. You have chapter yep. stuff you do too. Tell, talk to me real quick about the four events you do a year and maybe go into detail on the annual conference uh, and, and some more detail too, is just so people yeah. get a sense for what that's all about. Absolutely. So uh, we have our four kind of what we call our signature event series, uh, and we kick off each year with what's called our winter form. Uh, and this is usually a, a day-long uh, conference focused on one topic area. This year, we were in Stockton for Data Deep Dive, which was a fantastic day of uh, programming around how to operationalize data in local government and how to use uh, AI to help uh, in that uh, process as well. So uh, that event was in um, early March, sold out, uh, which is great to see. And then just last week, we had um, our Women's Leadership Summit, which is arguably one of our largest, if not our largest event of the year. We sometimes will pull more people to the Women's Leadership Summit than we will for our annual conference. Uh, and that's a, a day-long event, again, of programming around supporting uh, women in their careers in local government and providing them uh, a space to connect with other uh, uh, women uh, in the field uh, as well. And so we, we just sold that event out. We had 340 people in Oakland last uh, uh, Thursday. Mm -hmm. uh, and that was just an amazing, amazing uh, event. Uh, after that, we're planning right now for our summer symposium, which is similar to the winter forum. It's just in the summer. Uh, and that's going to be out in Mountain View on August 17th. Uh, it's going to be looking at, uh, you know, futurism and what's, what are the, you know, new and upcoming trends in local government as we look out over the next 5, 10, 15 years. Uh, and then last but certainly not least, and one of the most fun events that we have is our annual conference. Uh, and that's uh, going to take place this year, October 25th through the 27th at the Everline uh, Resort in uh, Tahoe. It was formerly the uh, resort at Squaw Creek. Uh, and the annual conference is our, our only multi-day event. It takes place over about two and a half to three days, usually, uh, and can cover any number of different topics. Um, it's a place where we'll offer courses under our Credential Government Leader Program, which is a certification program that we run in concert with uh, MMASC. Uh, so there'll be programs uh, and sessions there uh, to help people complete that credential. And then we'll have uh, city manager panels, um, as well as a number of our sponsors. We'll hope to have 
uh, Tribe Happy Smith there with their setup, and of course the chips that I you know <laughs> ate plenty of at the conference last year. Um, and it's a, a really great place to come and network. Uh, it's a great place to connect with coworkers you might not have seen in a long time. Uh, and uh, it's a really, I think, all around a, a really great uh, uh, three-day event. Yeah, it's intense, um, like a lot of activity, fun, not yeah. negative intense, just intense activity, intense learning, intentional networking, idea sharing. Um, we always have a great experience with it. And the, you know, the credit to the board for organizing top tier events and really pulling off some thoughtful programming to make them relevant and purposeful uh, and have some good takeaways, right? So yeah. it's, it's um, you know, you guys do a good job. I, I want to go back to something. So your first uh, conference of the year you mentioned, your winter forum uh, involved a whole a discussion about uh, data, big data, data analytics, resources, and then AI. Uh, yeah. Any observations, conclusions? I this is AI question is something I get a ton of questions about running my firm. I more and more city staff folks and clients of mine are asking internally. We're we're debating and discussing impacts, leveraging yeah. it. What does it really mean? Uh, I'm just curious. Do you have some perspective or thought on that? Because I think it's very apropos to the audience we're speaking to. Yeah, I mean, I personally am very bullish on AI. I think it's we're at a. a a point in time that this is really a watershed moment for uh, AI. And I think it's important for local government to get a grasp on how this is going to impact um, not only, I think, our society as a whole, but rather uh, the way government operates. Uh, every every part of local government can utilize AI to you know be more efficient and effective in the service delivery of you know its mission. Um, I think you think about, you know, site plan reviews that cities are doing. There will come a day where that's going to be done through AI. Uh, it's not that unconceivable to think about um, using AI to help with scheduling meetings or uh, drafting staff reports or doing some light research. Uh, so the winter forum really kind of opened at least my eyes and a lot of our members' eyes to kind of this idea of oh, I need to be getting up to speed on this because if I don't, I'm going to be left behind because yep. AI is not going anywhere anytime soon. Yeah. It'd be like sticking your hand, head in the sand over the internet, right? I mean, yeah. that wasn't a really, that's not a winning strategy. No. Um, well, I, you know, I, I've, I'm trying to figure out where it manifests, what, what will be the early signs for government, right? So how many staff reports are going to be written with AI as the starting point? Um, have you personally played around with any of it, whether it was ChatGPT mm -hmm. or the Bing tool, which is effectively ChatGPT or Bard from Google? Have you played with any of them? Yeah, so I've uh, I've started to play around with uh, ChatGPT, and really what I use it for is trying to get like a, a you know collect. I'll collect my thoughts, I'll have my notes, I'll plug it into ChatGPT, and I'm like give me you know just a, a rough outline or give me a first draft as like a starting off point, because I think when you're in the process of writing a staff report or whatever it is, it's that first draft is what takes yeah. the longest, just getting your thoughts out of your head and on, on some paper. Yeah, I think that's been one of the areas as a comms firm where we've talked about uh, where it might be appropriate to get a draft going. So you have something to respond yeah. to as opposed to just creating it from nothing, which is usually our job. And frankly, at least at this point, still remains my preference for me personally and for most of the work we do. But we can easily see where it's going to be yeah. impactful. And I've, I've tested it 
where I've faced a client scenario and I've just quickly wanted to see what could AI do. So I'll ask it to drive to 500 word press release with a professional tone about the issue. And it makes up quotes for the city manager or makes up quotes for the police chief and, you know, puts, pulls together some stuff. And, you know, the reality is in those couple of experiments, and again, we didn't use this client work product. I want to be clear about yeah. that, but I was just curious to see how AI would respond. Uh, you know, it sometimes got the city manager name wrong or got the police chief wrong, or maybe the quote wasn't really the most thoughtful, uh, but as a starting point, it was pretty good, right? It was like it was okay. It was a starting point for something. And if you, you know, yeah. couldn't rely on it carte blanche because there'd be a major fact wrong, and then that would be a real problem because you're trying to do a press release, and that needs to be, you know, a hundred percent. Yeah. Um, so, uh, but you can see the glimmer at the end of the tunnel on that thing. I, the second observation, um, or I'll share is so I was at the Capio conference recently, and I was talking. A PIO uh, was making a presentation, and he shared that with full disclosure to his mayor, uh, he drafted a Memorial Day speech for the mayor, customized to the city using uh, chat or AI. And um, it busted out like 30 seconds or so. And then he did some customization work just to make it a little bit more specific to the city. And then said, here you go, mayor. This is what the AI came up with, my my feedback on it. And um, full disclosure, but here you go. And it's pretty good. And the mayor loved it. And that's what they use. Like, it took yeah. what was probably a three-hour process and made it a 30-minute process or a one-hour process, right? So uh, it is starting to show up here and there. There's some ethics issues and things like that to think about. It'll be very interesting. Yeah, I think you, you raised some really good points. And yeah, I think there is a, a ethics issues that need to be evaluated further. And I don't think people have all the answers, um, but at least the conversation starting to be had, uh, which is, you know, I'm optimistic about it. I, I yeah. will add too for our winter form, uh, the chair of the event used uh, ChatGPT to draft the entire program, session titles, session descriptions, everything. And she didn't say anything until the very end of the event. And it caught, everyone was just blown away by it. So oh, wow. it, it, it's really, it's really powerful stuff. So uh, one other thought I'll just, dive in here. I normally don't like to talk this much during these conversations and prefer to listen, but this is a good back and forth and yeah. it's something I've been stewing on myself. Uh, one thing to keep in mind for everybody out there is that ultimately a lot of the AI is being driven by what it's absorbed off the internet. And of course the yeah. open open chat GPT is dated back to I think 2021 or 2020. So it's not really as much contemporary data, at least in the last uh, two years. Um, but fundamentally to all this is that they're yanking stuff off the internet, whether it's Wikipedia or it's your city website or something like that. Um, and so in some respects, for a big use case scenario of AI, AI is going to replace this typical Google search. And that instead of going to Google to ask a question, you're going to ask AI a question. And AI is going to depend upon what it scraped off the city yeah. website. So if, you know, just, you still need content originators out there to produce content, fact check content, get content uh, in the hands of your audience. And more and more, your audience may be discovering that content through AI. What I, uh, you know, the scenario that kind of makes me cringe at times is I think about a scenario where all the content is being generated by AI without much human intervention. Yeah. And then basically it's just AI reading AI generated content and speak and, 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 puking out more AI content. So it's essentially just regurgitating its own crud with yeah. no actual human intervention, right? That's where it yeah. starts to get a little bit more 
crazy in my head. And it speaks to the value add that, you know, actual human organic tissue with some gray matter between our ears uh, can fundamentally shift the balance of what's being conveyed on AI to mm -hmm. an audience that is, will probably at some point grow to just accept it as from, you know, from the gods of technology to their ears as fact and information. Uh, and trying to manage that is going to be a big role to play in the city staff world, communications world, from my perspective. Yeah, and I think, too, uh, bringing it back to the role the cities have is making sure that the information that we're producing, whether it's staff reports or regulations or whatever we're putting out, at least on our website, is in a form that when ChatGPT or Bing or whatever it is does scrape the Internet, it's able to get a hold of yep. you know, that information, which is you know factual and correct. Um, and so... Uh, I, I'm happy to see at least here in Dublin, we're starting to have the conversation around how to use AI. Um, and I hope that there are more cities out there that are as well. But I can say that as an organization, we know that this is something that we're going to have to continue to, to program for because our members are going to want to learn more about it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's wisdom. That's good. I, uh, you know, for your, the benefit of your members, it's great that you're looking down the road like that. Um, as we start to wrap up here, what else is MMANC looking down the down the road at that you want to surface or raise for policy areas or things of concern that will add value for members and future members to join the organization and stay ahead of the curve on? Yeah, I think uh, one of the more exciting things uh, that we're doing this year is something that is a, a project of mine that I'm doing with one of my good friends, Jess DeKine, who was a, a uh, former MMANC president, we're launching this program called Up Next. Uh, and Up Next aims to provide community and professional development uh, targeted specifically towards those people that we talked about earlier, right, Ryder? It's the assistant city managers, the deputy city managers, the directors, deputy directors, assistant twos. Uh, it's a program that uh, gets us back to our roots of who we are as MMANC. You know, we were created 73 years ago as an alternative to ICMA because at that point in time, only city managers could be members of ICMA. If you were an assistant, you didn't have a place to go. Uh, and so that's where MMANC came from. Uh, and so up next is going to be structured. We'll have uh, these casual uh, but structured cohorts for these people to come together uh, and receive uh, really curated um, uh, professional and educational uh, forums, uh, as well as a specific programming at our annual conference or women's leadership or elsewhere throughout the year uh, for these cohorts to come together and again, get at what I talked about earlier is this sense of uh, building community uh, and having that huddle, that network of people that you can rely on. Uh, and so we're really excited about Up Next. I think it's a logical next step for us as an organization. Uh, and we're, we have one uh, beta cohort underway right now of 15 people going through. And then once we run through that, we'll make some program tweaks and we look to launch a couple more uh, cohorts next year um, but if people are interested in learning more about Up Next, they can email us at upnext at mmanc.org. And we're working on getting some information up on our website as well. But I think it's a really great way for us to bring these people who have matriculated up into, you know, the higher levels of local government and bringing them back into the fold of MMANC uh, and keeping them involved. That's great. That's exciting new programming. Yeah. 
Um, and the last but not least, just how do people learn more? What the uh, URL and information and things like that? Uh, you can follow us on LinkedIn. We're doing a really good job of getting our information out on LinkedIn this year. And then MMANC.org is our website where you can join us. Uh, figure out if you're uh, a company looking to get exposure to the leaders of tomorrow. Um, we have a great corporate partnership program, as you know very well, Ryder. Um, and so you can visit MMANC.org or follow us on LinkedIn. And then you can always email me at president at MMANC.org, and I'll be more than happy to uh, get in touch with you. Phenomenal. Well, John, I appreciate your leadership work uh, with MMANC. It's been a pleasure to get to know you uh, through our work together there and being involved with MMANC. And I'm sure the city of Dublin appreciates you carrying the flag for the city in, mm -hmm. in this uh, large organization that's really making a difference in the local government world. Mm -hmm. So I appreciate your leadership there. Awesome. Well, I appreciate all the support that we've gotten from Tripeppy Smith. And it's been really great to get to know you over the last couple of years, too, Ryder. So thank you. Awesome. And that's today's report. My thanks to John for joining us. From the whole public CEO team and myself, Ryder Todd Smith, thank you for your time. We hope you learned something new and inspiring that will help you in your public service. Remember, Public CEO has a daily newsletter that is free to those who sign up at publicceo.com. If you have feedback, questions, or guest suggestions for Public CEO Report, please email editor at publicceo.com.